This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. A fire has gutted the historic M&M cigar store in Butte. It occurred early Friday. The fire destroyed the bar and the cafe's roof and charred and gutted the rest of the building. No one was injured. The cause of the fire is under investigation. The fire was reported at about 3 a.m. Responding firefighters said there were 12-foot-high flames coming from the roof. According to a National Register plaque outside the building, its name came from the initials of the two men who opened the first bar there in 1899, Sam Martin and William Mosby. The bar was famous for staying open around the clock, catering to miners getting off work and serving large breakfasts at all hours. During Prohibition, the bar changed its name and officially became a cigar store. Cigars were sold in the front of the building, while liquor continued to be served in an illegal speakeasy in the back, according to the plot. Meineke Car Care Centers have paid $12.5 million to settle a lawsuit brought by an Everett, Washington woman who said a safety inspection missed a worn-out tire that caused a crash and nearly killed her two days later, according to an attorney. A Meineke dealer told 56-year-old Janice Phi McKenzie that the tires of her Ford Explorer were checked when she visited the shop for maintenance in April and August of 2016, according to her attorney, Lawrence Kahn. Mackenzie was driving on I-90 in Montana on August 4, 2016, when the tire tore apart and she lost control of the SUV. She was thrown from the vehicle as it rolled over, sustaining a traumatic brain injury that put her in a coma for a week and a leg injury that permanently confined her to a wheelchair. She and her husband were in the midst of a move from Washington to Iowa when the crash happened. But facing nearly a million dollars in medical bills, they could no longer afford the home they were going to buy. The settlement money, Khan said, will allow them to purchase a home in Everett with special accommodations. Brennan, Mackenzie's 70-year-old Australian shepherd, was also in the vehicle. The dog did not survive. Idaho Governor Brad Little has signed into law a measure that could lead to the killing of 90% of that state's 1,500 wolves. The Republican governor signed the bill on Thursday that had passed the Senate and the House with enough votes to overcome a veto. Lawmakers who sponsored the measure say they want the state's wolf population reduced to the allowed minimum of 150 to reduce attacks on livestock and boost deer and elk herds. The new law allows the state of Idaho to hire private contractors to kill wolves and provides more money for state officials to hire the contractors. The law also expands the way wolves can be hunted and killed. Hunting, trapping, and snaring an unlimited number of wolves on a single hunting tag is now legal, using night vision equipment, chasing down wolves on snowmobiles and ATVs, and shooting them from helicopters. Also under the new law, newborn pups can be killed if they're found on private land. Environmental groups decried the new law, and Zoe Handley of the Defenders of Wildlife said in a statement that today marks a low point for gray wolf recovery 
in the U.S. Another group, Center for Biological Diversity, has asked Interior Secretary Deb Haaland to cut off millions of dollars to Idaho that's used to improve wildlife habitat and outdoor recreation opportunities because the group said the new law goes against enhancing wildlife. Again, this is all in Idaho. The Fish and Game Commission there also opposed the bill because it removes wildlife management decisions from the commission and its experts and gives it to politicians. The Idaho Fish and Game Commission opposed the bill because it removes wildlife management decisions from the commission and its experts and gives them to politicians. The Idaho Cattle Association supports the measure because it allows the free market system to play a role in killing wolves. Governor Little's family, by the way, has a long history of sheep ranching in Idaho. A Flathead County district court judge has issued a summary judgment in favor of the Bad Rock Fire Department in a court case where a Columbia Falls attorney claimed she owned the land under the department's South Hall. In 1993, Thelma Carter donated 1.3 acres to the Bad Rock Fire Department. The department then built the South Hall there, along with a training building and other amenities. Thelma Carter died in March of 2020. In July, attorney Michael Carter and her husband, Eugene Kirschbaum, filed suit against the district, claiming they actually owned the property under the hall. Mikhail Carter is one of the daughters of Thelma Carter. Mikhail Carter claims that when her mother signed over the property to the district some 28 years ago, she, quote, had not been given authority from all seven owners, the Carter siblings, to transfer title. Judge Allison ruled against Carter, noting she had five years initially to contest the land transfer in court and didn't do so. In short, the statute of limitations has run out on the case, he said. A famous Montana ranch is for sale, but it won't come cheap. The asking price for the Climbing Arrow Ranch near Bozeman, the setting of some of the scenes from the 1992 movie A River Runs Fluid, is over $136 million. That's according to a press release from the listing agency, Swan Land Company of Bozeman. The ranch, known as the C.A. Ranch, is approximately 79,400 acres spanning four counties, including a commercial cattle and hay operation and hunting and fishing opportunities. The trestle bridge leading into Eagle's Nest Tunnel served as a location in the film starring Brad Pitt. The Blackfoot River is portrayed by the Yellowstone, Gallatin, and Boulder Rivers in the film, they're all within 30 to 60 minutes of the ranch. The property borders Ted Turner's Flying D Ranch and the Bar None Ranches about 30 miles outside of Bozeman. The ranch was created in 1905 and purchased by Buck and Marcia Anderson in 1959. The grandson of Frank B. Anderson, the founder of the Bank of California, Buck brought his family to the ranch and expanded its holdings over 30 years. Spread across Gallatin, Broadwater, Madison, and Marr counties, the property contains five miles of frontage along the Madison River, 17 miles of North Fork and Middle Fork, and Six Mile Creek 
frontage. The state of Montana will share COVID-19 vaccines with Canadian truck drivers from neighboring Alberta, according to Montana Governor Greg Gianforti and Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. About 2,000 truck drivers from Alberta who transport goods from Canada to the U.S. will be eligible to be vaccinated at a highway rest stop near Conrad between May 10th and May 23rd. That's according to a memorandum of understanding signed between the state and the province. The border between Canada and the U.S. has been closed to all but essential traffic for over a year. A similar program to vaccinate truck drivers from Canada began in North Dakota last month. Montana health officials reported 149 new cases of COVID-19 on Friday and 12 more deaths due to the virus. The 12 deaths, all of whom were residents of Ravalli County, brought the statewide death toll to 1,592. Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services Public Affairs Officer John Ebelt said via email that the deaths occurred between October of 2020 and January of 2021. DPHSS reported them Friday after data reconciliation between the department and county health officials. A total of 44 Ravalli County residents have now died due to COVID-19. Active cases in the state are now 1,070. State health officials administered 738,970 doses of COVID-19 vaccines as of Friday, 4,500 more than the previous day. The doses have resulted in more than 344,000 Montanans now being considered fully immunized against the virus. On Friday, hospitalizations due to COVID-19 rose to 68, up from 61 the previous day. The virus has put a total of 5,085 Montanans in the hospital since March of 2020. The cumulative number of Montana residents who have tested positive for COVID-19 is now just under 110,000. Of those who have tested positive, just over 107,000 have recovered. And in sports, college football teams, including those in Montana, will be required to hold at least seven padless practices during the preseason. And the number of contact practices will be reduced from 21 to 18 under changes proposed by the NCAA's Oversight Committee on Thursday. The Football Oversight Committee's proposal could go into effect next season. The changes to preseason practice come after a five-year study of six major college football teams showed players suffered more concussions during preseason practice than in during games. The proposal also bans contact drills such as the Oklahoma drill, limits the amount of full contact in any practice to 75 minutes, prohibits more than two consecutive days of full contact practices, and reduces the number of preseason scrimmages from three to two. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. The podcast has listeners in 33 states and provinces and now 21 countries on six continents. 
Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio, KEMRDB in Jefferson County, Montana Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, and ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.